Hey, good morning again. If you were under any illusion at all that getting to the end of 2020 and finally getting to 2021 was gonna be like getting to the end of a horrible movie and you're finally to the end, it took what? All of six days to completely destroy that notion, didn't it? Man, instead of 2021 being like a, a vampire movie where at the end they get that stake and they drive it into the vampire and the vampire all turns to dust. Instead of that, the start of 2021 is more like getting to the end of the scary movie and you think you put the monster down and then it's one of those where the monster sits back up and the bad music comes on and then there's chaos that, that ensues, right? Heading into 2021, how many of you are far more concerned about the direction that our country's going than you are about the coronavirus right now. Yeah. This week's events, they were both unbelievable and completely predictable. Can I get an amen to that? It, it was. In fact, the only thing more surprising to me than the things that I saw on, on TV on, uh, on Wednesday night were, were the shock that was coming out of the mouths of the politicians and the newscasters and the social media influencers who were like, oh, I can't believe this is happening. Especially when they were doing that at first. Let me share a little bit more along those lines. When I was a teen in the 80s, <laughs> it was a rough season to grow up in. The, the, the clothing was ridiculous back then. Our hairstyles were absolutely embarrassing, but we had some memorable music. And as I've been reflecting on the events of 2020 and of 2021, this line from an 80s song comes to mind. We're living in a powder keg and we're giving off sparks. What I find far more shocking than images of riots is how people think that the solution is throw more powder and throw more sparks into the barrel. That's what I find shocking. <laughs> when you do that, when you throw more powder, when you throw more sparks into the barrel, what good is possibly gonna come out of that? But there we were on Wednesday night, watching politicians and newscasters and social media influencers throwing more gasoline onto the fire. Here's some more lyrics from that same 80s song. Even if you weren't a child of the 80s, maybe you can relate to some of these words. Every now and then, I get a little bit nervous that the best of our years have gone by. One of the things that I saw was an interview um, that they did of a, a grandfather. And the grandfather, you could tell he just looks sad. He just looks sad. And he said something to the effect of, my heart breaks for my grandkids. He said, things are so different now than they were then. And, and I'm really concerned, he said, about what's ahead for my grandkids. Well, if you go back in time, Grandparents were saying similar things in the 80s. And they were saying similar things in the 70s and the 60s and the 50s. They were saying similar things during world wars and during civil wars and during those long stretches of disease and, and famine that our world has been through. Our world has seen countless dark and scary seasons. And I don't want to diminish anything that we're going through right now, but I do want to say this. Our world is going to see countless more, countless more. In this world, you will have trouble, Jesus said. But what else did he say? He said, fear not, because I've overcome the world. 
So what we want to do in this brand new teaching series, the one that's going to start right now, today, is we want to help you foster the kind of faith that overcomes the kind of faith that we see in the book of Acts. If ever there were a people who were living in a powder keg, it was them then. If ever there were a people who overcame impossible odds, it was them too. This week I, I, I saw the opening to the uh, movie Gladiator. I, I rewatched the opening movie Gladiator. The Roman army didn't come to play, did they? Uh, if you've ever seen the opening to that movie, there's this opening scene where the Roman army is on one side of a battlefield and they've got catapults and they got fire and they've got arrows and they got these really big arrows and they got cavalry and infantry. And in that opening scene, on the other side of the battlefield, these fierce warriors appear. It was the enemy army. And what did the general say if you've seen it? The general says, unleash hell. And the Roman army did. And they decimated that entire army of fierce warriors. That was Rome. That was just one. Think about this. That was just one of the challenges that the early church faced. The might of Rome. And they didn't just face it. They overcame it. Why do I say that? Fast forward to the book of Acts, the book we're going to look at. Fast forward to the end, chapter 28, very last, very last verses. Where is the Apostle Paul at the end of the book of Acts? He is boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus. Where? In Rome. Fast forward a few hundred years later, which is just the blink of an eye in terms of historical context. Where was the Vatican built? It was built over St. Peter's gravesite in Rome. What did Jesus say to Peter? When Jesus walked this earth, he said, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. All right, so who, who wants to move beyond good intentions this year? Who wants to pursue a faith that is going to prevail? Well, let's get started. If you're taking notes, I invite you to write this down. Have you ever heard the phrase on fire Christian? It's a phrase that we used back in the 80s. Now, I personally didn't convert to Christianity up until high school, but my parents, they brought me to church just about every week. And from my earliest years, I noticed there were different kinds of church people. And I'm not talking about the kinds of differences that are, there are among any group of people. I'm talking about a special kind of spark that I saw in specific Christians in these churches that I was going to growing up. There were some people who just attended. There were some that just listened to the sermons, sang the songs, and maybe even helped out. But then there were these people who seemed to have something more. Church singing for them wasn't just singing, it was more. Bible reading wasn't just reading for those people, it was more. Prayer wasn't just meditation or reflection, it was more. Their faith, it wasn't just personal and private. It was something that affected everything that they did. And sharing their faith wasn't something they could do with words alone. They cared more deeply. They loved more unconditionally. They gave more generously. And they had more peace, and they had more joy, and they had more hope. And as I began to read my Bible for myself in high school, what I saw in those people seemed to look a lot more like Jesus. 
Well, back in the day, we called those people on fire Christians. And if you're taking notes, I invite you to write this down too. Sincere seekers are drawn to the light of authentic faith and they stay for the warmth. Now, for the record, there were those who didn't like Jesus. In fact, what'd they do? They executed him. And if you think you've got life all figured out, you're not gonna like Jesus either. He makes some very exclusive claims about being the way and the truth and the life. In fact, he goes on to say, no one comes to the Father except through me. And if you think that your way is better, if you think that your truth is just as valid as his, if you think that your best life can be found apart from him, you're not gonna like Jesus. But there's always been those who look at the world around them and they say, I don't got this. And they say, there are things beyond my control. And, and they say things like, yeah, I could use some help. And they're humble enough to say, in fact, God, I need you. I need your guidance. There was a time that we're going to be looking at in this series when about 120 people experienced something that didn't just change them. It changed the world forever. They found this faith that gave them peace and joy and hope and goodness and even some self-control. They discovered a source of power that provided supernatural insights and courage and boldness and confidence along with gifts and abilities that they needed for each of the challenges, the unique challenges that they faced. Hundreds became thousands and then thousands became hundreds of thousands. They were drawn. They were drawn to the light of Jesus' teaching an example, but they stayed for the warmth of the new community that was unlike any community they'd ever experienced before. Do any of you long for more of what they had? Then let's learn. Let's learn from their example. If you have your Bible with you, let's open up to Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. And if you don't have a Bible at home, I'd invite you to go to uversion.com, and there you're going to find a great app great Bible app. All right, here we go. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them 40 days, during 40 days, and speaking about the kingdom of God. All right, the book of Acts is part two in a two-volume set. Part one was the book of Luke. And in that first book, Luke wrote of what Jesus began to do and teach. Isn't that phrase interesting? Here when we get to Acts, when it's going to continue beyond the life of Jesus, at least the earthly life of Jesus, it, 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 we're going to find that his work is going to continue now through this new body, his people. This name Theophilus, who this is addressed to, it's really interesting. It means dear to God or friend of God or someone who loves God. Now, most of the sources I looked at, they said Theophilus does appear to have been a real person, a wealthy patron or benefactor of high social standing. But what I thought was interesting is several scholars also pointed out, they said this name, the fact that his name means like a friend of God or someone who loves God, uh, that name is kind of like an invitation as well. 
an invitation for anyone who's really seeking the truth to come and to learn. All right, let's move on. Verses four through five. And while staying with them, Jesus ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Water baptism, Holy Spirit baptism. These two are very closely associated uh, in the book of Acts. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at both of those in the weeks ahead. All right, but right now let's go on to verses 6 through 8. So when they had come together, they asked Jesus, Lord, will you at that time, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria to the end of the earth. All right, let's talk about this a little bit. This passage, the one we just read here, it would be a fascinating passage to do an even deeper dive with in your small church or among friends, people that listen well, listen well, all right? Um, because this is a could be a really interesting conversation. The number one narrative back then among the Jews was that a new king of Israel would arise, a Messiah, a descendant of King David, and they believed that their guy, this new king, their guy would replace Rome's guy as the new big kid on the block. And one of the reasons I think we'd have a very interesting conversation is that it's very natural to think in those terms. It's very natural for us to place our hopes in peace through an earthly ruler. And we have different opinions of what that ruler should look like. Most people place their hopes in earthly power structures. It's one of the reasons people feel so threatened and so uncertain right now is power seems to shift back and forth. Now, for the record, I want to say this. I believe our votes matter. I believe they matter a lot. I also believe elections have consequences, big ones. I also believe it's important to not just listen to what a politician says, but to watch what they do. And, and, even though I believe those things, look at what Jesus did and didn't promise to do. He did not promise that, hey, I'm going to be your guy in that way. Or he didn't promise to say, I'm going to send a guy who's going to be your guy in that way. What did he promise? What he did promise, he was going to equip them with dynamis, with power that would empower them to be his witnesses. He would empower them to love their enemies. He would empower them to turn the other cheek. He would empower them if they had two coats to give one away. He would empower them to care for widows and orphans. He would empower them with visions that would end up building bridges between diverse people. He would empower them with insights that would lead people to become new creations. And what he promised came to pass. They did become his witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In fact, if you want an outline for the book of Acts, that's a pretty good outline right there. That follows what we see in the remainder of the book of Acts. Okay, now let's fast forward to chapter two. That was the, chapter one. Right after the passage that we just read, Jesus ascends up into heaven. 
into the clouds. And then a few days later, as Jesus promised, this happened. Acts chapter 2, we're looking at now, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. I'm going to pause right here for just a second and say a little bit more about this. Centuries before the day of Pentecost became known as the birthday of the church. Maybe you were taught that the Pentecost is the birthday of church. It actually goes back earlier than that. Long before it was considered the birthday of the church, it was one of the several festivals that we find in the Old Testament part of the Bible. It was called the Festival of First Fruits or the Festival of Weeks. And remember this, it was a festival to celebrate the start of a new season. It was also regarded as the day when God's law was given at Mount Sinai. Remember those two things as we go on here to verses two through four and then unpack them a little bit. Okay, so the day of Pentecost arrived. Suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. All right, let's talk about this. This small section that we just read, it is filled with imagery that someone back in those times, in those places, someone who is familiar with the story of Moses and God's people at Mount Sinai, they would recognize this imagery. Mount Sinai. If you're not familiar with it, that's where God gave the people the Ten Commandments. Well, in some of the symbolism is really profound here. As, As Moses ascended up a mountain, then Jesus ascended up a mountain here. The revelation of God to Moses had been accompanied by fire and wind and a divine tongue. We see that also here. But there are also key differences. Instead of receiving commandments, what did they receive? The Holy Spirit. Instead of being terrified, it was was the case at Sinai, by what they saw and heard to the point of begging God to speak no more, what happened here? The Spirit brought comfort. If you were to keep reading, we'd see that the Spirit empowered them to speak other languages and proclaim God's goodness throughout to all these people. Instead of fire of God's presence being something that they could only see at a distance in Sinai, something like tongues of fire now came and rested on them. A new season had begun. And I invite you to write this down. When the day of Pentecost arrived, the fire that would have destroyed them in the past now empowered them for what was to come. This was a life-altering event. It changed them. It empowered them. There was a visible difference in them. That fire that hovered over their heads and their hearts became embedded in their heads and in their hearts. And people could see changes in them. In a time like this one that we're in right now with so much chaos, so many challenges all around us, could you use more? of what they had. Would you like to be given a new set of eyes where you can see things in the scripture that you never noticed before? Would you like to experience more of God's presence and power in your life? Would you like to have God himself empower you with supernatural ability to adapt and to innovate and to overcome challenges that come your way? 
Would you like to possess levels of grit and tenacity that fuel you when others are unable to go on? Would you like to sometimes receive words of knowledge about things that you couldn't have otherwise known? To receive visions of what God plans to do? Would you like to have new levels of love and compassion for people who are lost, people who are hurting? Would you like to be part of a community that looks out for one another and challenges one another and encourages one another? Would you like to be a part of a movement that welcomes strangers as family and is drawing incredibly diverse people together, including people, including people, including people who were once enemies? Would you like to be part of a group that worked really really, really hard at appointing leaders who held the interests of others higher than their own, who modeled humility and modeled integrity and were held accountable to really high standards. Would you like to be part of something that is bigger than any one person or any one small group or any one congregation or any one city or any one state or even any one nation? Would you like to be part of a family that will ultimately include people from every tongue and every tribe and every nationality? Okay, early church, make no mistakes. They weren't perfect. The early church was messy. The early church had their share of problems and conflict and division and everything else. The early church had everything else that you find whenever you bring people together. But do you wish that you had more of what they had? If so, here's our invitation to you. There's a place to write this down along with a couple helpful bullets after it. If you'd like to experience more and have more of what they had, then we invite you to read Acts with us. Let's read it. Let's read this book together. And here's a little simple way you could do this, a simple way you could make this part of the rhythm of your life. Number one, set a time. Pick a time I would, I would encourage you to do at the very start or the very end of a day, but it could be any time. And then I want to invite you to select a song. One of the things that we learned when we did our anxiety series a couple years ago was the power that Scripture says there is in music. And there was a precedent that we saw in the Old Testament about how when the right song came in, the, the right spirit came in and the wrong spirit actually left. So do that. Set a time, select a song, then ask the Holy Spirit to open your, your eyes and your ears and your heart and your mind. Just ask and spend a little time in silence, just saying, God, would you do this? And then read a chapter. You could start with just one chapter. They're, they're pretty short. If, it's not like a lot of these chapter books. A chapter in the Bible is not very long. Just read one per day. In your notes, uh, we include some great resources that are gonna help you get started and to dig deeper into some of these readings if you want. Um, I'll look for the ECC mail that's gonna come out this coming week and I'm gonna do my best to try to explain why we put those resources in there and what, what we like about each one of those. And obviously, when you look at this simple little instructions we gave you here, feel free to do more. This is meant to be a starting play, point. The goal in life is to, to try to live all of our life attentive to God's presence, not just 15 minutes a day. But it's a great starting point. This will be a great starting point. All right, so next week, let's just talk a little bit quickly about next week. Next week, we're gonna pick up where we left off here. Um, 
and we're going to talk about this filling of the Holy Spirit, this baptism of the Holy Spirit. And before we close, I just want to show you something really quick. Take a look at this. All right, here are the first three verses in Acts, ones we just read. Who do they mention? The Holy Spirit. Let me show you something else. Let's go to the next two verses, the ones we read. Who do they mention? The Holy Spirit. Here are the next three verses. We read these two. Who do they mention? The Holy Spirit. You guys, I didn't cherry pick this. I went back and I took a look and I'm like, yep, confirm, confirm, confirm. Holy Spirit's all over, all over the book of Acts. Look at this, chapter two. Look at how the chapter two opens. See anything here? Holy Spirit. Next week, think about this. Next week, what we're gonna do, we're gonna talk about how you can invite the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, to come and to fill you, to dwell in you. As, as God's presence once filled the temple, it talks about in, in the New Testament how, how they were like temples of the Holy Spirit. Imagine that. Imagine having the Spirit of Christ leading you, guiding you, changing you. Oh, do you think that might ignite just a little bit of fire in your soul? Do you think that might give you just a little bit more hope when it seems like everybody right now is trying to play king of the hill on the top of crazy mountain. All right, let me give you a little spoiler here as you bring today to a close. In the book of Luke, volume one, Jesus said this. Really complicated here, people. Jesus said, the good father gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask. To those who ask. So what better way for us to close this service than to take this song and ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So let me pray right before we, we sing this song. Father, I do pray that we could pray this song. The words are just so simple and they're repeated so that we can just really make this a prayer. And I pray, Father, that you would ignite a fire in us. We pray, Father, that you would send your Holy Spirit Send your Holy Spirit, fill us or fill us again, whatever the case may be, so that we could be empowered and we could be equipped, not just for the challenges that we face, but to experience more of you, God, in more of our life. This we pray in Jesus' name, amen.